to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. And today on the show, we have Mandy Ellison from the Hands Off CEO. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you for having me, Meryl. We always like to get started by hearing a little bit of our guest backstory. So could you tell us a little bit about your early career and what's taken you to where you are now? Yeah, so um, this is my second business. That My uh, first business was a graphic design and branding web design company. And, um, you know, the breakdowns that I had in that business is what actually led me to um, do the consulting work I'm doing now with Hands Off CEO. And, um, and, um, so, so uh, maybe I'll just give you a bit of the backstory. What led me to do this is that I, I was, um, at a point in my business where I was really wanting it to run without me and I wanted it to continue growing and running without me. And, um, it could not do that. And I was nine months pregnant at the moment. And, um, the timing was pretty awful for me to, um, have to kind of shut the business down because my husband was in this, this, um, really demanding graduate medical program and we could have really used the income, but I had to shut the business down to, to, um, take maternity time, which was really important. And I'm glad I did, but, um, I was really frustrated that I had to do that because I actually knew how to make a company run without me because I had done this as, um, as an operations manager in, um, the past company that I had worked for. So I had done that. I had squeezed so much profit out of this business and um, I had been able to travel anytime I wanted to. And um, really it was just like clockwork, but I had not been successful at doing that in my own company. And it drove me crazy that I hadn't. So um, at this point, you know, after I had uh, created a number of breakdowns that was very stressful for me, right. When I was about to uh, bring a child into the world and, you know, I had a four-year-old as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of breakdowns. I'll just spare you guys the details on that, but it really led me to investigating, you know, what would it, what does it take to actually get a service-based business to run without you? So what I did is um, a lot of research, um, you know, in, and actually in a community, that's where you and I connected. Actually, I, I did a lot of research in, in, um, with a number of different entrepreneurs and I started solving problems for people basically so that I could solve the problem for myself. So I, I could reverse engineer the system for how I could get the company to run without me. And um, I learned some things in this process. And one of them was really like, I understand why it didn't work for me before. And um, it also was um, exciting for me because I realized where my real key passion was. And I ended up um, leaving that business, passed it off to um, some of that I had, I had kind of built up um, as, um, as a partner, sold the business to her and she's, she's still running it now. But I, I, I got off into my, my next business here, um, which later became the hands off CEO. And, um, you know, that, that, that's how I, that's how I got to that it was about six years ago and, you know, the rest history. And I think I've been a small part of that journey. We connected, as you said, a number of years ago, in Dynamite Circle, and I have actually used your coaching services as well in helping me to scale the service business that I'm running. And so that was why I was excited, or one of the reasons I was excited to have you on the show, the show today was to talk through some of those strategies that you work on with your clients to help them 
scale your service business or to scale their service businesses. So why don't we start with what do you think it is about service businesses that can make them difficult to scale? Well, what it makes what makes it difficult is that the reason why the service is successful is because you, that how how it worked is that the business owner had this skill set and they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to um, hang on a shingle, start selling it, and now a business is born, right? So you have this um, this um, skill set that's being sold as a service, and um, it's growing, but um, it's really dependent on the owner because the owner was the one who created it. So that's the problem with um, with a with a, with a service, and um, what what it looks like is solving lots of different problems for lots of different people, and and in different ways, and and um, and a lot of times it's grown through referrals, and um, referrals are great and all, except for when they are they're not matching the kind of work that you really want to grow into. So. Um, so, so the a real challenge with scaling a service is that um, it, it can be so bespoke, and it can require such a high level of skill to um, deliver it. So, um, it, what ends up happening is that there is not enough money in the business to um, pay pay the business owner what they want to make, and then to pay. Um, a skilled enough worker to actually deliver the service and still keep the quality good enough and for the owner to actually have money left over. So what it does is it keeps the, the business owner trapped in the business if they want to, if they want to make a good um, amount of money. And I've been there myself with the, my first business was consulting and it was very difficult to hire someone to, to do custom accounting services. And that was where I moved into being ninjas and bookkeeping and more of a productized service. So what would you recommend to that business owner? They're the one with that technical skill that someone wants that wants to use. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to hire someone. Yeah, it is. Fill that role. Where what's what's next for them? What should they do? Yeah. So what's next for them is to narrow in on what a common problem that they can solve. And um and I think that there's a mistake that I see happen a lot of times is to jump right to the most scalable solution. And some, some, um, for some people, you know, that's it. And that's what they're going to do. Like, like with bean ninjas, I think is a great example with bookkeeping. It's, it's a more scalable business. And I think that for the kind of, the, the, the kind of industry that you're in, I think that was probably a good decision. And and just based on your goals and, and all that as well. But I think that um, too often service-based businesses will say, well, you know what, I'm just going to, so they, they, they follow this reasoning. They say, okay, um, I want this to run without me so that I can grow the company so that it's, so that it, it's like more of a hands-off business, right? Um, so they say, well, you know, what is keeping me so hands-on in the business? Oh, well, it's the strategy. So they say, okay, well, let's strip out all the strategy then. Um, so, what that does is now they have a commoditized service, which um, is becoming increasingly problematic because as our, our, um, our, we're becoming more global as, of an economy, you, you can um, go overseas for commodities a lot cheaper. So um, if you're offering a commodity in um, a Western country where um, you, you have to be paying Western wages, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble because the commodity um, it's it's a spiral downwards, and it's in and that that's really the problem with um, when you're offering 
something that that there's not a whole lot of value to. So what I suggest to do instead is to um, to flip it and say, you know, how can we offer this this service, um, and we we can increase. The, the, the strategy in some cases, actually. But you can do it in a way where you're actually reducing the, the amount of time. So um, so what I look at is how do we, what does it take for us to first, so so I, I start, at, at, instead of saying, what's the most scalable option? And that's most definitely a question that does come up. But I start with, what would it take to add the most value to your clients? So you, you start at the very top and say, what so well, what kind of outcomes could we and by the way, it might not be for your current clients too. You might, uh, and, and the way it is a lot of times with some clients that I've worked with is that they're not actually working with the right type of clients and we have to just move upstream a little bit so that they can offer, um, they can solve bigger problems. So the, so the best way to be able to increase value is just to, um, look at, you know, instead of, instead of saying we're solving six figure problems or, um, sometimes, sometimes even lower than that, which would be a problem, big problem. So look at, you know, are we solving six figure problems? Are we solving half million dollar problems? Are we solving million dollar problems? And look at like how big of a problem you can solve. And, you know, what is that going to take? What would it take to potentially guarantee that you can add, you can, um, add on a half, half a million dollars to a company, for example, and that, that, um, or a million dollars or whatever it is. And it, that might sound a little bit scary. But it's the kind of thinking that that um, is going to push you into really understanding how can we offer the best level of um, outcomes. I didn't say service; I said outcomes to the um, the to, to the the right people that are going to be able to really capitalize on that value. And when you do that, when you're looking at at a value formula, it's pretty simple, right? You just look at well, you know what? If um, if you want to charge twenty thousand dollars, you know. Um, then you need to be charging, you, you need to be generating five to 10 times that value for them, for that $20,000. So you do, you do the math on that, how, how much, how much you need to actually be, um, be providing in value for the client. So, um, you know, be, you need to be providing, you know, two hundred to $200,000 worth of value for that. So, um, and that, that's, that's kind of on the low end. Did I get the math right? <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy. You dropped a couple of value bombs there. So I was busy thinking about those. Because I'm, cause, <laughs> I'm thinking about all the systems that I'm thinking instead of the actual math. So um, I do math on, on, by, by, on paper. So um, if I got the numbers wrong, the whole point is five times, five to 10 times value for whatever you're charging. <laughs> there was a couple of points that really stood out to me there with what you were talking about. And one was where you mentioned outcomes instead of service. And I think as service business owners, we can get caught up in trying to provide a service to everyone and solve everyone's problems. Whereas when you talked about outcomes, you need to be a lot more clear about what your service, or what, what outcomes or what, what you're actually delivering and the value that you're providing. So in this example, say I was this particular business owner, I'd gone through that exercise of identifying where I could really add value to clients. And even if they're not my existing clients, I might need to go out and find some new clients. I'm clear about, or I think I'm clear about what those outcomes would be. What would be the next step? Right. So, so, you know, after understanding, okay, these, there's, there's kind of a step before that too, because it's just like, these are the outcomes that we're going to provide 
Yeah, this is the outcomes we could potentially pro- do provide. And this is kind of an uncomfortable step for, for uh, some business owners, by the way. So that, and, and, um, it's definitely something that we've gone through over and over and again in our, our business too. But what would, what really helps at this point is to understand what does like the top 20% of the clients that I, that I work with look, looking at your case studies to help you understand how to do this. Like instead of like averaging out the results for all of your clients, which is most what most people do and say, well, you know what, what kind of outcomes we can get? Well, it just kind of depends. They no more of this can, it depends. You focus on the very, the very best type of clients that you can get results for. And then look at, you know, what is it going to take? What do they need to have in place? Go and then um, directly go out, reach out to those type of clients that you know, you can get a great result for, and then have a, a more compelling offer for how you can actually get that outcome for them. Um, with a lot of conviction. And then you, um, you're now growing a company. You're, you're growing your company in the direction where you can have the maximum profitability and the maximum impact. And when you just said then what the clients need to have in place in order for you to have those outcomes, could you give some examples of that? I think that's quite important because sometimes yeah. clients won't, you won't be able to deliver value because they're la- there's something lacking in their business. Yeah, I'll I'll use the example of an agency. So for an agency to be able to generate, like, let's say, um, be able to add a million dollars to the company they're working with. So the company they're working with, they, they're going to have to have capacity for a hundred, hundred thousand dollars more, uh, I sorry, for a million dollars more of business. They have to have the capacity they have to be able to scale that, right? They have to, um, if you're generating leads for them, for example, they might have to have a functioning sales team of some kind other than the CEO that you might need to have that in place to do that. Um, you might need to have in place, you need, you might also need to understand, do you actually like working with this company? Is this a company that is, is doing good in the world that you want to help scale? Um, what are the, so, so those are some examples and you might have like 10 or 15 things, but the problem I think that a lot of people run into, um, is that they don't actually think through what needs to have it, what they need to have in place in order to um, know with certainty that they can get great results. And and if you know what what um, you need to have in place, then you can then sales becomes just a game of quantifying and qualifying. You're just quantifying what type of um, quantifying how much pain they're in, how much is actually costing them, and qualifying. You know, can you actually get them a result, and do you want to? So you're um, so it becomes so much easier when, when you understand with certainty um, that you can provide a certain outcome for a client. And then you will show up so much more confident for your sales conversations. And it's a matter of you qualifying whether they are a great fit for you, um, you know, adding a million dollars to their business in 12 months, for example. That's, there's some great examples. And so I can imagine that some business owners would feel like they, they want to take these steps. They want to really understand the value that they're providing, maybe even change the type of clients that they're working with. But their challenge is they're already working 50, 60 hours a week. And they're wondering, well, how are they going to free up their time so they can actually focus on activities like this, which are really important in scaling their business? Yeah, um, that that's um, that's a really great point. And this is something that, I discovered pretty early on when I started consulting <laughs> that um, I would, I had this great offer for people. I'll help you systematize your business. It'll help you, you know, all this great stuff. That was the earlier offer. That's my, my offer now is much better than that, but that was where we started. Right. And people would say no to me, even though they really wanted to do it, they were excited about it. 
But um, the, the reason why is because like, well, you know, Mandy, that sounds great and all, but like, I'm already working 60 hours a week. What am I supposed to do? Like, I'd have no more time to work on this. So um, I very quickly realized that I needed to solve that problem for them if um, I was to be successful at all in my business. So I developed what um, this system that I, um, that I call um, the find time now system. And it helps you find um, 10 or more extra hours per week. And you use that to actually generate, to actually grow the business. So um, it, it, I, and, and I like all my clients to be spending that time on growth related tasks, not just freeing it up to, um, I mean, unless they're already where if you're already working like 60, 70 hours a week, maybe you're actually taking the, using that time um, to be working less and just be a lot more productive. So um, yeah, so there, there's, there's some ways that you can do that. And if you're interested, we, we could actually talk more about like how to actually free up that time. I th- we, so absolutely. Let's do that. I know I have a personal interest in okay. productivity and time management, but I think I know that some of our listeners would as well. And I just wanted to point out, I think you've just given a great example of how you solved the problem. You're, you were selling coaching where, where people could scale their business but they couldn't get results if they didn't have the time to actually implement what you were talking about. And so you created another product so that they could then get value. So I think you've given a great example of how you've done that in your own business as well. Yeah. And I, I well, I'm glad you pointed it out because actually that, that is a really great um, way that you, you can look at your biggest, your client's biggest, your prospective client's biggest objection to working with you and find a way to solve that. And then you will remove a lot of the, um, the resistance to clients moving forward with you. So um, what's really been interesting is that this was a hard thing for me to do, to, to do the fine time. Now I did a lot of um, testing for this and it was, it was personally very difficult for me because I have ADD um, and the, I haven't been diagnosed with it, but I, I'm, I'm like, I'm certain I've got it. <laughs> and um, I've had a difficult time managing time. I mean, I literally don't, feel time passing in the same way other people do. So time management has always been a struggle for me. And I've, over the years, I've developed some really great systems around it. But um, I didn't know how I was going to solve this for clients um, on like in such a quick um, way. So, um, so anyway, the, what I have discovered is, is a system that works like it works for every client that I've ever worked with on this. I'm, I, in fact, I guarantee it now it's become, it's become like one of the biggest things that like draw people in to want to work with me is, is that, and it's a qualifier too, because it, like, like, um, that they know they're that 10 hours extra a week. They know that that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to their, to their business for a uh, less mature business owner. They don't realize the value of their time yet. And they might not even see the value of that. So, um, it's a, it's a qualifier too, which is kind of interesting. So let me just kind of share what the the generalizations I found with this. So there's, there's four different things and then plus the power hour we'll talk about. So, um, what I, what you, what you want to do is do some time tracking, which is really fun, right? (laughs) It's not, um, and, and track your time in 15 minute increments and, and to really, what it does is it creates some painful awareness and I call it, um, the reality check. And um, do this for, for, for a few days and get really clear on how you're actually spending your time. And then um, I walk clients through a process for looking at, you know, what can we eliminate? What can we consolidate? Um, 
like batch do it all at once? What can we um, automate? So like with software or just a process like um, a templates or things like that. And what can we delegate? And notice that I said delegate uh, last because you don't want to delegate something that should be eliminated. So um, now doing that, walking through that process, what it's going to do is there's going to be all sorts of ideas for what you can eliminate, consolidate, automate, and delegate. There's going to be tons of ideas for it, but you don't need to implement all of them. You only need to implement like one or two. And that will be plenty to get you 10 extra hours per week. If you have a, if you have a more established company, if you're like a startup, you're starting brand new. And I know most of your audience aren't, you're they're probably further along, but um, if you're, if you're a startup, it's, you, it, you, you might really not even get it. But um, if you have an established business, like this thing works um, like, like nothing else. It's really pretty impressive. So you're going to find all these opportunities and you're just going to be looking at, okay, what's the most painful or what's, what's, what's the biggest energy drain? What's the biggest time suck? And the energy drain, uh, so, so like, this isn't just about managing your time, but it's about managing your energy. And it's so important as a CEO to be able to manage your energy because it's not necessarily about the amount of time that it takes you to like answer a bunch of dumb little emails because it might only take like five minutes to answer some of those things. And it adds up to accumulation of maybe an hour a week, but the time drain of how it, and it drains your energy when you're, when you're jumping back and forth with some of, some of these tasks and it just wears you out and it makes every hour that you, you, um, your work significantly less effective. So, um, that's why it's important to be looking at what are the things that are draining you the most. You remove those and then you're going to be able to, able to be much more effective with every hour. So that that's how I look at it and prioritize. I like that you've talked. Oh, sorry. Sound like no, you. go for it. Go for it. I was just going to point out, I like that you've talked about energy there as well as time because every hour isn't equal. You could produce amazing work in two hours and then five hours when you when you're not feeling motivated or you don't you haven't managed your energy levels to be at your peak performance the output might be less in those five hours I think you've made an important distinction there yeah 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 and um the other part of it is that I, I mean I, I've, I've personally experienced this too where when you run into some capacity issues sometimes it's not even a time capacity it's an actual like um bandwidth like like brain capacity <laughs> and you just can't add any more. And really what that is, is it's, it's from an accumulation of, um, of energy drains <laughs> and um, doing things that you shouldn't be doing that your team should be handling or doing things that you shouldn't be doing at all. Like maybe excessive meetings or um, fill, fill, filling requests that people ask you to do that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. You should just say no. And you've mentioned teams there and I'd like to, move the conversation into managing staff. I know you've got some really great tips around that. And also that one of the main or major frustrations for service-based business owners is around building their team and having, being able to trust that their team members can do great work and having the right people in the right seats doing what's required to scale the business. But what, what are your main tips or how do you work with clients around building their teams? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a big question. So I'm trying to think of the best way to go about it. And, um, I was just kind of thinking about a breakthrough that, that a, a client had on, um, 
just over the past, like just recently with, with his team. And there were some serious breakdowns. Like anyway, he was sharing this, but it makes me think about it because he, he was just sharing us today in our leadership activation session. And, um, I'm not, of course, I'm not going to say who it was, but, um, the, the, this, this is a, a, a call with our whole tribe where people are going to share their breakthroughs and, and share kind of their breakdowns and get feedback on, you know, is this the right business name for a rebrand? And, you know, how should I handle this type of situation? So like it, it, when you're, when you're dealing with staff like this, you're, you're really in a different place in your leadership and having some support around you and like some sounding board, um, I find to be incredibly um, useful. And this is something that I always have for myself is people I can reach out to when um, you got a people problem and you don't quite know how to solve it because you can go and ask another perspective and um, be able to handle it a lot better than if you just would have reacted <laughs> and might wanted to maybe reach out and strangle the person if they were doing something crazy, <laughs> which is, actually coincidentally what he wanted to do when it first happened. So I first had a conversation with him and he was really frustrated to the point where he's just like, maybe I should sell this business. I'm so sick of it, you know, and just, you just kind of need to vent the frustration sometimes. But, um, you know, what he really found and it was a real breakthrough was actually his, um, what he called, which I thought was fantastic, is is um, stepping back to create space for his team to step up, to step into into their role. For um, and I thought that was a great way of putting it. So, um, and you need some things in place for that, right? Because you don't want to just like be irresponsible with being hands off in your company, right? You don't, you don't, you're. You, you still need to manage your company. You still need to manage people. And, but really maybe managing is a wrong word. It's more like you need to, um, to lead. And so, so what I think is a, a great way to do this is you, you first need to understand what is the vision for this company? What are really we here to do? What do we stand for? What are our values and really understanding this? And you know what? I think that people hear this and it's, it's, it's being mentioned a lot, but it's like, you know, uh, I heard all this, but I just need to grow sales. You're like, but he's like, but I'm just going to say you're, you're not getting it. You're not getting it because you need to understand where you're going and what you're creating to really understand if the people that you have on board are actually aligned with that. And, um, for you to get the best results with your team, you need to have a, a standard, an agreement of, of sorts for you to hold your team to. And that this is that, that mission, the vision core values. Those are what I hold my team to. And if they do not follow that, it's grounds for being dismissed from the team. That's, that, that's the way I see it. But, um, when you're seeing things on your team, team that you don't like, then it's an opportunity for you to, um, raise the bar, raise the standard. And this is this, 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 uh, gentleman I was mentioning, the CEO had, um, this is what he actually did where he, um, saw wasn't what he, he did not want to see. And said, you know what? You guys need to step up. This is this is what I expect. This is what we're doing. And um, it was an opportunity. And it, it's gutsy because setting the standard like that is also um, setting the standard for it, it's it's setting up a situation for people to um, to step to to um, to either step up or step out. 
So it's uncomfortable. And this is why a lot of, a lot of, um, CEOs, they, they avoid some of these potentially confronting type of situations that is the very thing that they need to actually grow the company. So you need to set the standard and then communicate the standard. So you're raising the bar and then people are either going to meet the bar or they're going to not meet the bar. And if they don't meet the bar, a lot of times they self-select out and they leave the company. So anytime when you're, when you're like, okay, we're really moving in this direction and um, people will, some of them will, will not actually be following along with the company. And that, that's fine because now you know. So you can, it leaves um, a void for you to fill with people who are on board. So um, that, those, are some, those are some general musings on um, how to get better results from your team. It really general, generally how to shift the whole culture so that you can have um, this space for rapid growth and, and to do it in a meaningful way where you're actually growing a company um, in the direction that's going to make the biggest impact in your market. Yeah, great answer. So if we step back to the, the original example we were talking through of when you first start working with someone and then the next stage around, so first of all, they're looking at the value that they're providing. They're looking at whether they're working with the right clients and they free up some time to work on the business. Where does working on their team fit in with this process? Would that be the next stage after they've, they've freed up their time and they've got clearer about what the vision is? Or, or is there another step in there before they then start to look at their team and whether they've got the right people in the right seats? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I don't think that you, you're always working on your team. It's unavoidable. Um, and there's different stages that you're working with them to in the in, in um the succession forward in your business. So, in, so maybe I'll just kind of talk about those stages first and then work into like where the steps go into just so you can kind of see the, the, the progression and understand how it fits in. So, um, the, the, um, the progression is, is that you're, you're, um, you go from solo. Well, I, I'll just start at the bottom just so you can see the full progression to, okay, I've got a lot of work. Let's, um, let's hire like some kind of personal assistant or, um, hire a uh, like doers in the business. So like, let's take the agency example again, and they're, they're bringing on maybe a person to do SEO. They're bringing on designers to do the design work. So, so they're bringing on, on, um, on people piece, piecemeal. And, and um, that's great and all until you start turning, it turns your job turns into playing monkey in the middle and you're just like managing all these people. And it's kind of, um, and they're working part-time, so you can't quite manage them. And this, it, these, these contractors who are not fully committed to the business in the same way as if they were fully committed to the business full-time or, or an employee. Um, but you're kind of playing monkey in the middle here. So that, that is, um, that is a stage. A lot of times clients, they, they might have, they're a little further than that. A lot of times when I meet, when, when I work with them, but then, um, but then they're also further along too, where they have a complete a complete team and even, even, um, an executive team in place too. So, um, okay. So anyway, there's these stages, right. Where you, you have, you have your team and when you're in that monkey in the middle stage, what, and actually further along too, but what you really need to, to do to, to, to build out your service and really understand who you're doing what for, right. And what, as, as you're filtering through and really understanding the best ways to, um, to scale the company, to add more profit, and to, to really be um, maximizing um, every hour 
in, in your business, what you're going to be looking at is, okay, um, and, and, and um, I want to make sure I'm not repeating myself here, but looking at what the 80-20 is in, in, in your service. So, um, you know, what is the 20% that's custom? What is the 80% that's process-driven? So um, the 80% that's process-driven is your hands work. Um, it's like designers, doers, you know, that that's your, it's your hands work. And then your, um, then the strategic work is, um, your brains work. Now, um, as a service business grows, the brains work is going to be done by the CEO for a while. And, um, at, at, uh, at stage one, there's four different stages of being a hands-off CEO, by the way. And stage one, it's like 80% is the, is the process driven work that you get you get off your plate, 20% of the work you're doing. So you're, you're working on quality control. You're working on the, the, um, the strategic work and you know, you're, you're doing and, pro- and probably planning out the projects, the work and everything too. So, so that's the part that you're leading and directing it. And then you're, you're, um, all the hands work you're delegating. So that's like stage one, which is an awesome place to be. Even better is when you get to stage two, where you are, Having, there's 95% of the work done by um, your team and you're just doing 5%. So you, so there's a place there where you start stepping out of the strategy work. But you hear how I have, I have taken a service and we've stripped down, we, we've divided it into the process work, which can be done by hands, cheaper hands and can um, be a lot more streamlined. And then the strategic work, which can, which need to be done by brains. So. Uh, typically the way um, service-based businesses work is that they have like brains that do all of it, which is expensive. So, um, and, and someone who is as skilled as a brains worker as you are, as the owner, they're going to want almost as much as you do, right? So they're, they're expensive and you can't quite make very much money after you've paid them. So what you need to do is you need to, to be, understanding, putting people, right people in the right place by understanding who are our brains and who are our hands and then building out the roles in your organization that way. And it, and it's, um, you know, one of the things that is, it's a great, um, cost benefit for the company, but also it, um, it allows you to optimize, um, the capacity of your very best team members so that you can, you can actually continue growing the company without hiring more people. Wouldn't that be great? More That's what scaling is all about, right? Yes. I've read some of your articles uh, on this. Um, and I, I think they, 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 they were spot on about scaling is really about growing without adding more people. Yes, absolutely. So growing the top line revenue, but keeping a team small so there's not as many managers required as if you would add more people and then also just adding more to the, the bottom line. Yes, yeah, a passion of mine. Uh, I enjoy scaling and systems as, as well as the accounting and, and marketing side of things. Yeah, yeah. I've loved the articles that, um, that you, you put out on your blog. Thanks. So another challenge that that business owners will often have is the thought that they, so ideally we've talked about being able to grow top line revenue and potentially not needing to add team members. But at some point in in some stages of business, we will need to add an additional team member and it can be really difficult finding the cash flow to do that. But 
if a client came to you and they felt like they did need to add an extra brains in the business, so someone highly skilled, what kind of process would you work through with them to work out whether they do actually need that person? And then Mm -hmm. if they do, how they're going to fund that. Right. So yeah, this, this is step three in my program. It like, there's two different parts of it. First of it is building out the client. It's building out a client success map around a specific service product. So um, really understanding what's the one problem you solve for one um, particular client in one way. So, you know, building a good compelling offer around that and then selling it. That's like the first part of step three with scale your service. And then the other part of it is really understanding, okay, how are we, how are we going to deliver that? And who do we need to have in place? And you're building out that, that org chart for what it looks like for, um, for you to do that. And, and yeah, oftentimes there, there, it is hiring another person to, um, but this, especially the case is when, the the thing that I, I see a lot of the, one of the biggest reasons why people come to me is because they have capacity issues and they're like, they have moved into the stage of their company where sales is no longer a problem and they just can't fulfill. And it's, it's a, on the service, it's a great problem to have. It's a very high quality problem, but it's also very stressful. And, um, it, it's, it's, it's a hard place to be in. And the other challenges is that, there's a lot of business owners that don't quite understand it. So it can feel a little bit lonely too, because I think a lot of, I think a lot of business owners actually struggle making sales. But when you um, have developed such a great service that you are, um, well, so first of all, I guess we should go back to, because here's the thing is some people have capacity issues and it's not necessarily, it, it's it, the problem is, is that they're not charging enough. <laughs> So they, they're just bringing all, all this work and it's not very profitable. So they need to charge more. So what you need to do is to, to get cash flow to hire the people to do it. First of all, you need to leverage and really understand, okay, how can I, um, how, how can we um, maximize the profit for, for each project that we do? So there's two ways to do that. You know, one of them is to cut, like you know, always looking, looking at ways to cut uh, and, and save money. But my favorite way is actually to look at top line. So how can we um, provide a bigger outcome by solving a bigger problem? And um, when you provide more value, then you can um, you can increase your fees. So just looking at that 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 equation, like I was mentioning before, of you know five times um, the 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 um, you, you can charge your, your fees if you can if you can deliver five to ten x the ROI for your services, then you can charge that. So it's, it's looking at, you know, what is it going to take to double our fees? What is it going to take? Like what kind of outcomes do we need to, to, to provide? Now, when you do that and you confidently, um, you, you bring in business that is more profitable. So every dollar you add to the service you're doing right now is pure profit. So the easiest way to make more money that you actually, to actually be able to hire the team that you want and a good team. I mean, you, one of the things that I, I was reading from Brian Tracy says that if you, um, if you pay P if you pay peanuts, you'll get monkeys. So, uh, so understanding that when you invest in some, when you're investing in an employee or a contractor, you know, whatever the the staff structure you want to to be doing is that, is that if you get someone good, they will pay for themselves. So they're basically free. So that's one way to look at it, but to actually get the cash flow in, you, 
the, the easiest way to do is to increase your fees by increasing the value. So that, 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 that's, that's probably my, my biggest recommendation. Yeah. Increase fees and increase value. Yeah. Right. Um, and the other part too, is just like looking at what stage of growth are that you're in, because if you really have capacity issues, because you can, um, you can sell like no other and you just simply need to deliver the work, invest ahead. You know, that's, that's a, that's a reasonable time to invest ahead in your growth. If you, if you can map it out and say, you know what, like this role is keeping us from bringing on four clients. Like it's asinine to wait to even until you get that person in, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that does. And so did you say, were there four stages of the, or four stages of business? I think you've talked about three. Is that? Yeah. And I've used different, I, I, I've talked about some different numbers, which might be confusing there. So there, there's five stages to uh, uh, my scale system. They're not stages. There five, there's five steps in my scale to freedom process. And, um, that kind of coincide with them. Um, not exactly perfectly, but the, but the, those five steps are how to, to get, uh, to scale a service business and make it run without you. Those there's five main steps for how to do that. And we talked about find time now, which is one. Um, and part of that too is, is an assessment that I do with a, like a scalability assessment to really understand what is it going to take? What are the four main things that you need to do in the next year to be able to, um, <clears throat> scale your business? Sometimes it's, it's, it's um, whatever the goal is that you're, you're looking at. And then, um, you know, step two is around really putting in place a good plan. And step three is around, um, scaling your service. So looking at those two different parts we talked about, which, which is really building a client success map that you can sell, you can, that you can, you know, potentially double or more your fees. And then the, the other, the other step that, uh, step B for of three B, um, is now how do you deliver that? How do you deliver that in the most profitable way? Um, and then the four is like your people plan that we kind of talked about how to, how to how to break it down and really understand which people are. And then step five is really like going hands off. And that's kind of like ninja moves. And um, my clients usually get to that. Some of them get to it in as little as six months. Some of them get to it maybe even a couple of years. It just kind of depends on um, what their goals are. But I want all of my clients within you know six to 12 months to be able to leave their business for at least a week, if not more. So, um, those are like the five steps to scale your business. Um, but there's like four stages. Does that make sense before I jump in? It does. So the four stages okay. of business are more about where you're at as a business right. owner, whether it's just you or whether you've got a team and everyone reporting to you, like monkey in the middle, as you said, and yeah, so third and fourth stage there. Could you just recap on those? Sure. I, yeah, because I didn't talk about the third and fourth. So, so the stages, I'll, I'll recap that. So the stages of the hands-off CEO growth, they're, they're specific stages. And um, the first stage there is, you know, like I mentioned, the 20% um, strategic, the, the owners in the owners in 20%, and then the team's delivering 80%. That's the build to grow stage. And then the, the, the um, next stage is, you know, is all about building capacity. So it's, and you build capacity by getting the owner out and being, building a replicatable system. So it's getting um, 90% out of the service delivery because we're not building just a system for like the hands work. Building a system for the hands work is actually not that difficult. The, what's really difficult is how do we build a system for the eight, for the 20%, the strategic work. And that's the magic that is missing from virtually all service-based businesses, which is why they can't scale. 
So um, that's, that's really what that's magic is happening in um, stage two. Just look when capacity for growth. So 5% the CEO is doing 95%. The rest of the team is doing. Um, And then stage three is really about getting out of um, marketing. It's, it's about delegating marketing and um, some of sales, some of the sales admin more, uh, more. So that stage four is really about you, you delegating out, um, really fine tuning your marketing system so that it can be generating leads without you. That part being hands off, that's really about four. And step five is really about getting the sales. And some, for some people, they, some companies might actually be flipping this a little bit, especially if you're, if, if your company has lower ticket sales, you might actually have salespeople earlier than, than you delegate out the marketing, for example. But for higher ticket, um, services oftentimes is the owner that's continuing to do the sales on the high end side. And if you can do it sooner than that, by all means, great. But, um, I find that that is one of the most difficult things to delegate out for high ticket services. So it's one of the last things to actually delegate for the business to actually grow without the owner. So step four is about running it, the company running without the owner. So they can, it can, can run without the owner and step four is really about the ability to, to grow without the owner. Does that make yeah, sense? It does. So that final step, so step four, if you've completed that step, then you could step away and take holidays and the business can continue to run effectively. Whereas step five is actually having a team in place that can grow the business when you're not there. And I think that would be many of the, the listeners' goals would to be sitting somewhere on, the, the typical sitting on the beach, but actually have a team behind you that can, can continue to, to grow and, and to think of strategy and create marketing yeah. campaigns. Wonderful. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're almost out of time. You've shared so much value. Did you have any final words or um, if someone had to pick just a couple of key points that you've talked about or a little recap, did you, did you have any final comments that you wanted to add? Sure. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is to, to, to um, profitably scale a service. You need to look at what is the way that we can add the, 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 the maximum value and the biggest outcomes for which type of clients being really clear on that. And when you're really clear on that, then you can increase your fees and provide a lot more profit to your business. And that is the really the, the key foundation to be able to then look at how can we break this down and systematize it so that it actually can run without me. But you you don't want to strip all that all of that value out first. You really want to look at how can we maximize the value and then how do we systematize it. Um, yeah, that that's that's probably the the biggest thing I'd like people to to take away from how to scale up. Uh, a profitable service-based business. And lastly, where is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, yeah. So if you want to go to handsoffceo.com, um, you can, and forward slash roadmap, you can download my five-step roadmap. Like the, the, the five steps I share, I go into a lot more detail and I actually go into specifically how to actually find 10 extra hours in your business. It's, it's actually in there. It's like a video that I've gone over and there's, there's one, um, there's one key thing around the power hour that I didn't have a chance to share. So if you go there, you, that one key tweak will actually free up um, at least five to 10 hours um, per week 
productive hours. So that, that, that's pretty fun. So, um, yeah, if you, you can download the five step roadmap at, and handsoffceo.com for, uh, sorry, I'm, I am, um, I'm running out of water here. I've been talking all day long. So, um, I'll let you repeat that link. It was the handsoffceo.com and then it was forward slash roadmap. Thanks for that, Meryl. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Thanks again, Maddie. And we'll talk again soon. It was my pleasure, Meryl.